I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The devil is in me. When the devil is in me, I am strong. I'm going to kill you. I am strong and you are going to die. That's bizarre. Why, why is that a load of shit? That someone's gone, yeah, you're a werewolf, and he's gone, yeah, probably, yeah. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is Bob Shoy. Uh, With me, virtually, across the internet, (laughs) is... Adam Tiss. Hey! And Luke! Uh, and Beef's with us as usual, yeah. Hey! What's up, Beef? Alright, how's it going? Yeah. Not bad, guys, not bad. You know the really good thing about us recording separately? is while you guys are talking, I can keep listening and have a drink and everything. But I can just cut out my slurps and stuff and it's it's fine. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Coughs and stuff are a thing of the past. That's amazing. It's really It's good. so much more control. Yeah. We can airbrush our voices individually. Yeah, if one of us coughs while the other one's speaking, I haven't got to like work out how to remove the cough anymore. It's just gone. Like it's it's oh, not on the same yeah. thing. It's so good. Yeah, isolated. Yeah, that's awesome. And I must admit, I I don't feel like we've lost any of the. I still feel like I'm sat around the table with you guys. Yeah, yeah like I can see both of you. Like having the cameras is, is helping a lot. Definitely. So, uh, I'm going to crack straight into the topic. Do you guys know what it is? I think you do. Uh, I have a feeling I know what it is, but I, my feeling's always wrong. I think it's the Warrens. I think it's the Warrens. Yeah, yeah, we're going back to the Warrens. Yeah. Uh, last time we did the Warrens, I said, I think I've got enough content for one more episode. Yeah. And that'll be the last one. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I said the time before that as well. <laughs> oh, God. Um... But I've got this one, and then I've got one more. Hey, <laughs> another one. <laughs> All right, Dr. Dre. <laughs> no, next episode coming up. <laughs> I went through a few of the... There's like a couple of cases left that we haven't done, but I, when I looked at them initially, I thought there's not enough content for an episode each on those. Um, but then one of them I, I dug into a little bit more, which I only discovered yesterday on my research, and I was like, ooh... This is a bit juicier than I thought, so... Yeah, Bob Bob sent a WhatsApp message to Tiss and I. It's like, boys, this is getting juicy, this research. So Yeah. Well, I'm going to show you a picture of someone now. It's this man. Can you see this man? It's like George Bush from where I am. Oh, yeah, okay. Ooh. Yeah. I've, it looks like Nixon. 
well, that man's name is Bill Ramsey. Oh, yeah, Nixon, yeah. And we're going to talk about Bill Ramsey today. Um, Bill Ramsey is otherwise known as the South End Werewolf. What? UK South End? Yep, Essex. Really? Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, we got uh, another Warren caper in the UK. <laughs> so uh, we, talk, we talked about them at the Enfield um, Park. I love that. I love that you said Southend Werewolf, and instead of me pulling apart Werewolf, I went Southend. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> well, I really we we've never actually talked about werewolves on the show. It's one of the things we've talked about for a long time covering. Yeah. I'm not going to cover werewolves. I'm going to cover this specific incident because it's related to the Warrens. So werewolves is still on the table as a broader topic. That's mm. good. Yeah, it was one of the first things we popped down on your fridge, wasn't it? And we just never got around to it. Yeah. And then, well, me and me and Tiss went to a talk about werewolves and she just like ripped the whole idea apart and it kind of harshed our buzz on it a little bit. Yeah. She was the sceptic woman that we pulled apart from uh, that episode. Yeah. On the Enfield Pottergeist episode. Uh, so what I, I normally do on the Warrens episodes is it's a little bit like story time where I run you through the case. Um, and if we've got time, I've got like another shorter shorter thing to talk about afterwards, but we'll see. Well, this better live up to its... Um, better live up to the hype because Dolly Parton read me a story on CBeebies earlier, so... Oh, God. Second story of her this evening. I've got a slightly different figure to Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> So you saw the image of Bill Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about him? What do you think about the way he looks? Looks a bit like a cross between um, Fred West and Richard Nixon. But do you think he looks like a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh No. No. Well, he looks I mean, who does? What, like a werewolf? He's not like in form, though. That's just, he's like a human part of the werewolf, isn't it? Like, Is that mid-transformation? Like, it's not a full moon yet for him. Bob? Yes? Is that mid-transformation? No, that's him uh, as he normally looks. Because, yeah, he looks a bit constipated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, first of all, like a lot of these Warrens episodes, I, you know, they have loads of videos of them being interviewed by Tony Spira, uh, which is like their son-in-law. Yeah. So I've got another clip, like a four-minute clip from that series of them talking to Tony Spira again about the um, Bill Ramsey South End werewolf incident. Okay, so we're going to listen to uh, the first uh, sort of four-ish minutes or so of this interview with Tony Spira and the Warrens, um, and he—it's just him introducing the idea of the uh, the South End werewolf case. Cool, cool. Ed, can you tell us about this actual case of lycanthropy? Well, this is the first case of a werewolf or lycanthropy, which is a scientific name for it, that we ever came across in 45 years of investigations. Lorraine and I were at a friend's home, and uh, we were speaking and talking, fooling around. All of a sudden, uh, my attention was drawn to the fact that there was another werewolf in London picture on. Mm -hmm. I thought, my God, they made another one? But this was different. It was uh, on sightings, and... uh, I looked at it and I was watching these police officers, real London police officers, talking about being attacked by a real werewolf. And I looked at Lorraine and I said, what do you think about this? And so as we watched, we realized that this man was the first case of lycanthropy that we ever had come across. 
So we took it so seriously that we flew to California. We talked with the producers of the show. They told us, yes, that Bill Ramsey was considered a real-life werewolf. Hmm. And so then we flew to England, and we talked with Bill Ramsey, and I talked and interviewed the police officers who were actually attacked by this man. Now, he stands about 5'7". He weighs maybe 150 pounds. But he would take some of these bobbies, who were well over 6 foot, over 200 pounds, he'd throw them around like they were kindling wood. And the, the stories that they told us about this man were incredible. How he would ask to be locked up mm -hmm. in a jail cell for his protection and the protection of the public. Now, the people out there listening to us right now are probably saying, come on, what are you talking about, a werewolf? Well, I think by the end of this program, they'll realize that Bill Ramsey was a real-life werewolf. But it was Lorraine, really, that talked me into going into London. That's I understand that Lorraine was instrumental in yes. getting both of you involved right. in this case. Lorraine, can you tell us well, what happened? Well, for someone, Tony, that was never interested in things like ghouls and werewolves and vampirism, those things never really interested me. Uh, things like ghosts and haunted homes, yes, I was more open to the fact mm -hmm. where human spirits were concerned and the fact that homes could be haunted in such a manner. But there was something in the interview that day as we watched that television show in the friend's home after dinner that I looked at that man and knew that that was very sincere, that something was very real. And something inside of me, Tony, told me that I could help him. Now, how I could help him, I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. But I carried it, according to family and friends, Tony, I carried it to extreme. I w we went to California, mm -hmm. and to get the information regarding the exact production company that produced that particular series on that werewolf was very, very, very difficult. Well, I understand you went through a lot of different exercises to get to that point to know even where that film was produced. Exactly. And we were, then I purchased it for a good sum of money. And that really angered Ed that I paid that much money for a video of that interview. I understand also that Ed really wasn't too keen on no, the idea. No, I, I no. told him, and I said, you know, even if we find out that this man really is a werewolf, I'm not going to go before the public and start talking about a werewolf. Ghosts and haunted houses and demons and devils are bad enough. But now a werewolf and in London? You know, who would believe it? Really? But it actually occurred. Okay, I'm going to stop that there for a sec. Okay. Hmm. So what I found interesting about this case, like she says in the thing, they normally deal with ghosts and spirits, haunted houses, but all of a sudden there's a case about a werewolf. Yeah. Um, so any sort of thoughts and questions about the case before we get into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, the police didn't really seem to go into too much detail about his appearance, did they? They will do. Oh, okay. Yeah, all, right. well, all the stuff they talked about there, about the, the, getting involved with the police and all that, mm. um, I'm going to basically run through uh, Bill's experiences now from the age of nine years old right, through to his dealings with the police, through to him meeting the Warrens, and after that. It sounds... Um... You know, at least they're acknowledging that it sounds crazy that they've gone from yeah. something which um, 
you know, with spirits, it's all very ethereal. It's all very, you know, people can imagine it. You know, we've all we've all been in that situation where, for some reason, we're walking around our house at night and we're, you know, we're pooing our pants. You know, we've all been in that. So we can kind of that feels like a tangible experience. <laughs> that you know, the the spirits thing. But yeah, it's so it's yeah. I'm I'm glad she's acknowledged it's crazy. It is his peeing himself, <laughs> all walking yeah. around our house, booing ourselves. We've all been there. <laughs> I can't imagine that picture. <laughs> just everyone just walking around their house shitting themselves. Well, um, I was hoping that you would understand my British slang for <laughs> shitting themselves. To be, I'm sorry, he's bricking it a little bit scared. He's bricking, bricking it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that is what I found interesting about it, though. The fact that it, and it made me think, like, why do we accept the idea of ghosts and things? But when it comes to a werewolf, we're so like, oh, that's stupid. Because it's because that asks, it just asks a lot more questions. I think ghosts feel... It leads a bit you, more to the imagination, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. You don't, well, you don't have to, you don't have to see a ghost. It's it's just something you can feel. Mm-hmm. You're not having to imagine it with a with a wolf, like... I was watching the uh, werewolf in London scene again, that classic yeah. scene, the transformation, which still to this day holds up as a pretty decent scene. Yeah, it's really good. It, like it's it's great. Like that's too hard to imagine. It's too hard to wrap your noggin around. So, I think it is different though. Werewolves is like uh, human animal hybrids, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So spirits and ghosts is like. It's just another form of human, whereas werewolves are like this make-believe combination of two beings. If you believe in werewolves, I guess you could believe in dolphin people and stuff. Yeah, it's asking you to believe in two different things, I think. It's asking you to believe in animal-human hybrids and some form of um, like, like super being, because... <laughs> werewolves tend to or they're always portrayed in movies to be really strong and they talk about Bill Ramsey having this like super duper strength Yeah, so yeah. it's asking yeah, yeah. you to believe in a lot more than just you know someone who's dead that's kind of haunting you a bit so but if, if they'd have gone in straight away we never heard of the the Warrens before and the first case is a werewolf I think we'd have thought they were a bit doolally well, it's interesting. You heard in that clip that Tony uh, said specifically that Lorraine took more of an interest in this one than Ed. Yeah. Uh, because Ed was like, werewolves, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But based on the evidence that she had seen, she sort of looked into it and made him get involved because she was like, oh, there's something to this. And then you'll hear when, when they get over there and start looking into it more, Ed starts getting into it a bit more and seeing seeing some of this evidence yeah and and seeing the strangeness in it and getting interested in it um so what we'll do is we go back to 1952 yeah and uh bill ramsey's nine years old and um the the first instance of him being overcome with this strange feeling which he describes from then on throughout his life um this feeling of like immense rage building up inside him so I'm just going to play a short 30-second uh, clip from this documentary which talks about the first um, ex- experience that Bill had of feeling strange at, at nine years old. The story began uh, when I was nine years old. It was a very warm summer's evening. Suddenly the air went very cold. There was a terrible stench in the air. And I just 
flew into the most horrendous waves that uh, my mother and father came out to see what the hell was going on. And the fence post was two or three inches square. It was set into concrete in the ground. I pulled it out and smashed it on the floor until it broke. Uh, well, I don't think I could do that now. My mother and father just couldn't make out why their little nine-year-old boy suddenly started to act virtually like an animal in the garden. So that's the man himself. I don't know how well you could understand him. He speaks with quite like a an Essex. He's from Essex. Of, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know, American listeners might find him harder to understand. Uh, but yeah, he basically said, you know, nine years old, he's outside, he gets this overcome by his immense feeling of like rage and a strange feeling. And um, he, his parents rush out because they can hear something up with him in the garden. And he rushed over to a fence post that was set in concrete in the ground and pulled it out of the ground and then started smashing it up and down the ground. Um, At nine years old, he was like, you know, as a fully grown man, I don't think I'll be able to do that. But as a nine-year-old, I pulled out, was like raging, raging, raging. And he did that until like he he calmed and it all passed and, you know, sort of came out of himself. So that was his first experience of these like weird, like rage build-ups that he would feel. Mm. That's amazing. That's yeah it's that's, that's weird but he wouldn't it's... wouldn't like transform it would just be like he'd be acting like a werewolf yeah he didn't this is nine years old so he just had he the way i read about it in another interview he just said he was overcome by a, a tremendous sense of rage and anger and mm. lunged at this fence post and just pulled it out of the ground and just smashed it up and down you know a yeah. solid concrete block that's, yeah. uh, and then calmed but yeah and, that's crazy. and that was an isolated incident nothing else happened to him for another 15 years that's really crazy but the um the the thought of it the memory of it and the sort of out of body experienceness of it um scared him so much that over the you know the next 15 years he would think about it quite often like what the fuck happened to me that day um and it would bother him anyway he grew up and he got married and um, he started getting plagued by nightmares of wolves and memories of this this scary incident. Mm. Um, in about 1967, he started having violent outbursts um, and becoming overcome with feelings of rage again that were similar to the experience he had as nine years old. But he managed to hide them. He would just have to like wait for them to pass because um, he was right. sort of worried about what was wrong with him. You know, he... So he would get these feelings and then just try and isolate himself and calm down and let it pass. He didn't want anyone to see him like flying into this crazy fit of rage. Um, but one day, uh, this is sort of where the it mainly kicks off. So he uh, went to the pub with his friends and got this strange feeling again. And uh, he went to the bathroom in the pub, the toilet, and looked in the mirror. You know, he's all sort of like flushed or whatever and then he said that what he saw looking back at him in the mirror was the image of a wolf right and obviously that scared him and he went back out into the pub and said to his friends you know i want to get out of here i've had enough so they all get in the car one of his friends was a designated driver so he's driving them all home um then in the car on the way home bill goes nuts and attacks one of his friends and starts uh biting his leg and wow. uh, lunged at him, starts biting his leg. His leg. His other friend, who's driving, pulls over, and they they pull him off, 
of the friend who's biting. Wow. And um, he all, they all calm down. He's, I don't know what came over me sort of thing. I need to get home. I don't know what it was, some sort of strange episode. And, uh, and that was that. Then he just calmed down again, went back to normal. So he keeps having these recurrences. But yeah, that was the first like outburst physically as an adult where he lunged at his friend in the, in the car and started biting at his leg. That's really, mm. really insane. And the interesting thing about it is every time you see these interview clips with Bill, he seems terrified when he thinks really? about it. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I don't, there's something up with me. It, it scares me, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess he'd be, yeah, it leaves a lot of questions, doesn't it? Particularly if you can't control it. People are scared of what they can't control. Yeah, and and even though he looks quite uh, foreboding, he's actually when you see interviews of him, when you read interviews of him, he seems quite uh, placid, like a placid person. Mm. Generally, mm. Mm. strange. I bet they didn't invite him out to the pub again. <laughs> Strangely, his friends aren't mentioned again <laughs> in this story. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, 1983 now. So it's quite a few years later from 1967. That that incident took place in 1983 as well, the the the, uh, the friends and the pub incident. But that Christmas, um, he checked himself into hospital because he thought he was having a heart attack. Um, and he, he went to the front desk and said, I've got these chest pains. I'm really scared. I think I'm having a heart attack. And so they took him through to the emergency room and uh, a nurse went to take his uh, blood pressure. When she leant over to take his blood pressure, he lunged forward and bit her in the arm. Is that the hospital? Yes. So he bit her arm, moved her aside, and then starts running through the hospital wards, uh, pushing people aside. He has this like uh, superhuman strength almost, where he's just shoving people aside, pushing them over like it's like it's nothing. Hmm. Witnesses described him as um, the way he looked running through these wards as having really hunched shoulders. His hands were like curled like claws. Um, he was baring his teeth up as he ran. And it took a whole group of people to eventually subdue him uh, when the police handcuffed him. Is this in a like a newspaper article, this? or Yeah, it was all in the paper, this was. Um, hmm. So they cuffed him. He still was still like thrashing about. They had to um, tranquilize him. And um, the next morning, he, when he came to after being subdued, tranquilized, um, he said, "You know, I, I feel fine now. I don't know what came over me. It must have. I must have been scared because I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, my body like freaked out. I was out of control." And he was actually free to check himself out because they did. They checked him over, and they were like, "Yeah, it must have been like just this isolated incident." <laughs> so, without being referred to some sort of mental ward or something, he didn't mention the other things in the past. Obviously, he, you know, he apologized for everything. They did these tests, and they said, "You know, you seem okay now." Yeah, um, and they let. Sorry him about go. that. That's never happened before. Well, they asked him to stay. I think. Um, yeah. For observation, but he was like, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine." Because because he had checked himself into hospital, he was allowed to check himself out. Yeah, right. Um, so even though they asked for him to stay, he didn't. So yeah, this is now getting kind of serious. He's bitten his friend. He's bitten a nurse. He's had a rage for a hospital ward. And when he's, um, does he say like, does it, is it like a general build up when he's getting to this rage or is it just like a sudden flick of a switch? It seems like he has this, he always talks about his feeling in his chest, 
But I don't think it's a long build-up. I think he starts getting this feeling in his chest and then he rages. Like, it's it's not flick of a switch, yeah. but it isn't a long build-up at all. It's like he gets the feeling and then it doesn't take a lot for him to just freak out on one once yeah. that feeling comes. Okay, okay. And um, I don't know if anyone's ever ever suffered any sort of uh, social anxiety or anything like that. Yeah. Um, maybe they could with that that similar feeling that chest i feel uncomfortable this isn't mm. where it can suddenly come over you in those uncomfortable situations i almost imagine it being a bit like that but with this added like rage trigger built into it as well yeah yeah mm. okay so that was uh just before christmas that incident with the hospital but then uh the January, so only like sort of a month and a little bit later, uh, the same thing happened again, exactly the same, same feeling, same hospital, checked himself in. I, my chest feels strange. And he um, was put in a room with a nurse. And because it was him, she had heard about him. She recognized him. And she's alone in the room with him. She feels scared. Yeah. And, I'm sure she does. Um, she, she goes. She to starts leave. pooing all over the house. We've all been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, if it's this guy who had raged through the ward and tried to bite another nurse, I feel like they shouldn't have put a nurse in the room alone with him in the first place. They should have done their no. homework. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so she sort of tried to make an excuse to get out of the room. Um, and as she went to leave, he, from where he was sat, lunged towards her. But there was police on premises. There was four police officers on premises and they heard the commotion. So they ran straight into the room. Mm. Now there's this standoff between Bill Ramsey raging out like a Hulk werewolf man and four police officers. And um, so, yeah, he's in this standoff, four police officers, him like raging out. And he lunges at one of the police officers, attacks him, actually hospitalizes the police officer Whoa. from his attack uh, for four Whoa. days. Uh, the other three police officers are jumping on him and they manage to subdue him and eventually they're getting down the police station where he calms down. Um, now, he has a talk with someone at the police station. Again, he's saying, I feel fine, I feel fine, like, there's nothing wrong with me, I don't know what came over me then. And um, someone's saying to him, they're suggesting like a mental institution, basically. Yeah. You know, you need to have some psychiatric help. About time for someone to look at your nobbin. But he declined. He he didn't, especially then, the whole mental health issue. We all, we talked about only last year how it's yeah, still a stigma. bit of a stigma. Mm. Yeah. Then, much more so, he didn't want to go to a mental institution. Uh, and in the interview I, I read, he, he says, you know, the stigma associated with that sort of thing. I didn't want to go through it. You know, being a werewolf's fine. But. Yeah, <laughs> tearing through a hospital ward and biting people, biting your friend down the pub is fine. Yeah, uh, but amazingly, they actually released him and they said, "Okay, you know, we can't keep you." This is the bit I find weird though. What? If he attacked a police officer, that's that's, that's at least How ABH. We... Yeah, but he was released. So I don't know how. Uh, because there's lots of different reports on this attack. I don't know how severe his attack on the police officer was in the hospital. I personally don't believe that he hospitalised him for four days. Because if he did, they wouldn't have let him go. No. no. And for the next bit of the story to happen, 
which definitely did because this is the famous bit that he was in the newspaper for the bit coming up he would have had to have been let go by the police that time so yeah. i can't imagine his attack was all that severe on the police um if they actually released him yeah if it's if he's been hospitalized for four days it'd be something pretty serious yeah exactly. and if it's something serious then you need to go to jail uh, but yeah, they did release him. And now, because this has now happened, yeah, he's attacked his friend. He's attacked two nurses. He's attacked a police officer. He's been taken down the police station, all this stuff. Uh, he's obviously now starting to become really scared. You know, he's saying, you know, what's wrong with me? Um, and he's even, um, I think he says it in the clip I'm going to play in a minute. He was considering killing himself. He was suicidal over it. Hmm. Right. I'm actually going to play a little clip now. I can't exactly remember what this is, but I've got a marker here for me to play a clip that's just another little 30-second clip. And um, the video that I'm playing a lot of these clips from is a, from a show called Sightings. And you can watch, there's about a 12-minute report on the Bill Ramsey incident from this 1992 show. Um, and I'm pulling a few little sort of snippets from it as a as I go, but it's available to watch on YouTube and it'll, there'll be a link to it on the blog if you want to watch the whole thing. Um, but here's uh, a little further clip. I just had the feeling that ultimately I would kill somebody. Then, without reason or warning, Bill Ramsey attempted the murder of a police officer. He was locked up and his life became a tangle of police, psychiatrists and reporters. So this is the next event. He is saying he attacked another police officer. That's not the one I just mentioned. This is the next event. So this is just running you through it before I go into it in more detail. Wow. I envisage being present for the rest of my life or in a secure mental hospital for the rest of my life for something I knew I would never be responsible for. The unassuming man with the tragic secret was famous now as the werewolf of Southend-on-Sea. What was causing it? I, I was literally, it felt like just committing suicide. So there you go. Like As you can see, he... Uh, he attacked another police officer and he starts becoming a celebrity. He's appearing in newspapers, um, the the werewolf of Southend. And I've got a, another picture here for you guys of a... This is this is crazy. There's, he seems to be... Oh, okay. So there's a front page of The Sun from yeah. the 80s that says, uh, front page, werewolf seized in Southend. This is front page news. That's mental. That's really mad. But they're referring to a werewolf as a crazed man rather than someone who's hairy. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's based on the description. It's not... It, he does... From the descriptions, it's like he is going through a transformation, but it's not as literal as, like, he's turning into a wolf, he's getting hair all over his body. It's a mental transformation. But also... Well, they say his physicality does change. Like, from the descriptions, they're saying his hands, like, claw up, his teeth, like bear and he he like snarls and stalks and hunches but that's but all about not... posture isn't it yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. he's he's undergoing some sort of mental transformation yeah, and it's... it's similar to a werewolf the way he's acting and the way he lunges i know i keep saying he lunges but he is like clawing at people when he does that and trying to bite them that's interesting it is just i mean it is just mental health isn't it it's i know it seems more obvious for us now outside of outside of that that context but yeah and it's it just seems crazy to me that he seems to be the victim here and i know to some extent he is but you know the man's hurting people so you'd think yeah. for his safety and the safety of the people like he's saying he felt at some point he would end up killing someone 
Yeah, yeah. And he says, like, I feel like I- I'm going to, you know, get in prison, taken to a mental hospital for something that isn't my fault. But then that's the stigma again, isn't it? Because if you get taken to a mental hospital, it isn't your fault. But yeah. that's what he's saying. He's like, oh, they're going to take me to a mental institution for something that isn't even my fault. It's not your fault. It's that strange yeah, stigma that people have. Again, if it was if it was your fault, you wouldn't be going to a mental institution. You'd be going to prison. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I think it's yeah. That's that's where maybe we've made some grounds now. People recognise that. But so I'll talk about the attack on the police officer that was mentioned in that video. Um, so in summer 1987, this happened. Um, he returned to the same police uh, station that he'd been to before. Um, but he he went there himself and he pulled up in a car with a prostitute. <laughs> right. Um, now, he had made a citizen's arrest on this prostitute. Right. Why? So he, because she was selling herself on the street and I guess, you know, that's illegal. So he made a citizen's arrest. It's really oh, kooky and oh, weird. Oh, come on. So he made a citizen's arrest on this prostitute. He pulls up at the station. She gets out the car and storms into the station. And he follows her into it. Now, the police officers surround him and, and this big, big officer walks over to him and says, you know, you know, I need to question you about this incident, you know, about this woman you brought in. You, need to, you know, I need the information. And yeah, he because he's talking, still he's still picked up a prostitute. Yeah. You've just dumped a prostitute on our doorstep. I, want, yeah. I need they, you know, they need the report. He needs the information. Yeah. As he starts talking to him, Bill starts getting this rage again, mm. this rage build up. And he's sort of drifting off. And as the guy talks to him and starts questioning him and about it, he sort of just, he lightly touches Bill on the arm. Right. You know, like getting his attention. Mm. And when he touches him, that's like the spark that drives Bill bonkers. And uh, Bill pounces on him, pushes him down to the floor, gets his like hands around his throat and starts choking him. Wow. Um, And yeah, he's he's, you know, trying to kill this police officer. Bonkers Buffalo Bill. Yes. So there's a dispute over how many police. Uh, I think it's five. One of the reports I read went as extreme as to say 12 police tried to hold him down. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think 12 yeah. people could get around one other person. No, no not possible. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be vying for space. Yeah, mo- most of the reports say five, so I guess they got five, but they say... Yeah, this this superhuman strength again that's being described in the other cases. He he's on this guy choking him, and it takes five police officers to hold him down um, and restrain him. They also get two um, uh, injections, like tranquilizers. One doesn't do it; they have to give a second one. So five guys holding him down, two injections to finally subdue him. Right, um, and then he goes through ten days of testing. Uh, MRIs, psychiatric tests, the full shebang. Yep. Uh, but they can't find anything wrong with him at all. Nothing at all. And this is, like like it says in the video, he's becoming a celebrity this time. And uh, he's on the news, he's on the telly, he's on the newspapers. And this is where the Warrens saw him. So this is where the Warrens come into play. Yeah, it's gained gained a bit of notoriety now. Exactly. And like I said, in that video at the beginning with Tony Spira, uh, they were in London. They were at a friend's house. The telly was on uh, in the background sort of thing. And they're talking about this werewolf of London and it catches their eye. And 
Lorraine in particular shows a great interest in this uh, this case. And um, when they get back to Connecticut, they talk about it some more. And eventually Lorraine convinces Ed, we need to fly back over to the UK and, and get involved in this case because I, I really think there's something to it. Uh, so I'm just going to play another clip from the uh, from the documentary now, which talks about when the Warrens start getting involved. And this is like two minutes, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this bit. Word of Ramsey's bizarre behavior spread as far as rural Connecticut, where authors Lorraine and Ed Warren were intrigued. The Warrens have documented over 7,000 cases of the paranormal and for the past 24 years lectured on demonology at major universities worldwide. Like I told Lorraine, I said, Lorraine, I'm not going to go before the public and start talking about a werewolf. I said, it's going to be interesting to go there, see what we can do to help this man, but that's about it. He felt that that was just stretching our credibility just a mm. little too far to believe in werewolves, but I believe. The Warrens went to England to investigate Ramsey's case. They had many questions. Was Ramsey a common criminal? Was he mentally ill? Or was he really a werewolf, possessed by what they believed was the devil? They spoke with Inspector Tony Belford, who was there the night Ramsey tried to murder a fellow officer. Interesting here. So I'm just, I'm just pausing to highlight this point. So when they started looking into it, Ed, as a demonologist, yeah. first of all, was dismissing it. This is ridiculous, some werewolf case. Lorraine's like, no, there's something weird more to this. There's something more supernatural. And then on investigating it more, Ed is like, nah, he ain't a werewolf. This guy's possessed. This is a classic case of possession. Yeah. Well, that's that was my first thought when you started sharing the stories. Yeah. So although this case is known as like the werewolf case and stuff, actually, from this point on, Ed's fully on the, this is another demonic possession. This is yeah. why we're getting involved in this. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. It sounds like a classic possession case from earlier. Uh, so I'll just go back into the video now. Um, they're, they're just about to... This is You're going to hear the uh, police officer talking now. What I actually saw that night, um, I couldn't really understand what it was. All I knew that it was something I'd never witnessed before. It was not natural behaviour. That night, Bill Ramsey became confused and lost control. He picked up a prostitute and, without explanation, drove her to the police station. So I took the prostitute inside leaving Sergeant Terry Fisher out in the yard with Ramsey. He had these mad, staring eyes and this maniacal expression. That's all I can describe it as. But the worst thing was what he was saying, and it was said in a very malevolent way. And I'll quote from the report I made shortly afterwards. He was saying, the devil is in me. When the devil is in me, I am strong. I'm going to kill you. I am strong, and you are going to die. Ramsey lunged for the sergeant's throat. Fisher, unarmed, responded with a powerful knee to the groin. He sort of went and crouched down, and he shrugged it off again. It became stronger. And when I came out into the yard, I saw Terry Fisher on the floor, just over in this location, with Bill Ramsey sitting on top of him with his hands around his throat. Then there were bobbies that came to their sergeant's aid and he threw them off, in their words, like they were matchsticks. Little voice back here said, Terence, you come unstuck this time. And when you see the size of this ex-police officer, you'll say to yourself, what scared him so much? Why this one experience? 
because he's seen something that very few people ever see. He's seen the transfiguration of a man into a wolf. It took five officers to subdue Bill Ramsey, who was not under the influence of any drugs. When I say he snarled and he growled, it was the impression of his lips turning up and showing his teeth. And I can recollect actually saying at the time in the reports that I filed that he took on the appearance of a mad dog. Uh, so we'll stop that there for another sec. So there you go. Um, Tess, I noticed that you liked the bit where he need Ramsey and the balls to get him off him. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. And then he said Ramsey like straightened up and he seemed to get stronger from it. Like, it's mental. <laughs> it's his superpower. Wow. <laughs> well, well, well. So now you can see they're fully into like, this is a demon now. Yeah. Uh, the story is like suddenly shifted. Particularly with what he was saying to the... The sergeant. The sergeant, yeah. 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 And and the way that the, the you heard the, the sergeant and then you heard the officer that was actually attacked in that clip. And the officer that was attacked was the one saying, you know, when he took on this other form and he had this ridiculous strength and he was attacking us, yeah, he was saying, you know, I've got the devil in me. He's literally saying that. Mm. And that's quite scary, that stuff he was saying. Yeah, so he's acknowledging. It's like he knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, But I don't think he's aware of that when he's not going through this episode, you know? I think if he came out the other side and they said to him, do you remember what you said? He'd be like, no. Yeah, but that was that's, uh, going way, way back to Demon Possession. Yeah. Episode 9. Woof. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's typically what happens is people are not aware of, of what's going on when they've been... It's almost like being under the influence of a drug. You're not always aware of precisely and you're not able to recall certain moments so that fits in with that yeah the, that that clip really stuck with me though like where he's saying he because he's reading that from the report and he's saying what what ramsey was saying to him so you can imagine being attacked by this huge guy yeah who's hunched like a werewolf and lunging at you and he's saying he said i've, I've got the devil in me and when the devil's in me i'm strong and i'm gonna kill you yeah, that's really scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a very nice thing to have to listen to. No, I'm not surprised he retired <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, I think I would as well. Yeah, no, it sounds like demon possession to me. And the 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 thing with the the strength and it taking that many guys to keep to keep them down, it fits in with stuff I've seen as well. It fits in with a lot of stuff that we've talked about on. Um... Not only the demonic possession episode, but also the uh, other Warrens cases we've talked about that have involved possession of, of sorts. They always talk about that strength. Yeah, um, exactly. It's just interesting that without uh, anyone spiritual on the case early on, it's been misconstrued as lycanthropy and they're saying he's a werewolf and all this stuff. Yeah. And as soon as Ed and Lorraine, who have seen this stuff before, witness it, they're like, yeah, he's possessed. Like, all the newspapers are running forward with this, like, he's a werewolf story. Yeah, they've not had the language to describe it, just that yeah. he's he develops this animal-like rage. Yeah, but even Ed himself is saying, you know, it is more animalistic in nature than some of their possessions. Like, he's saying he does, like, bare his teeth and claw his hands and snarl and arch his back and all this stuff. It is almost like you can almost see a transformation in him. Hmm. Wow. Uh, but in 1989, Ed and Lorraine visited him and they convinced him to go back to Connecticut with them. Oh, right. Okay. 
so he actually flew over to to the Warrens' place. Any particular reason? Just well, I suppose you're going to come on to that. That's well, just... I, I got uh, just another another thirty secs of this uh, of this clip to to play, and then we'll talk about what happened when he got to Connecticut. Got it. What is left? The paranormal, the unknown, and that's where we come in. Warrens told me that uh, it wasn't a mental illness. I had no mental illness. Um, I was possessed, demonically possessed, with a wolf spirit. Oh, oh God. I've heard it all. And he, he clo- kind of closed the evening with, um, would you come to the USA and be exercised? Exercise? Come on. Some absolute rubbish they've given me here. But maybe. I've been through all the other avenues, remember? So, um... That's just a clip of Bill saying, obviously, he's not a believer at all. He was, he's literally saying, this is a load of shit, but I've tried everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Why Why is that a load of shit? But yeah. someone's gone, yeah, you're a werewolf. And he's gone, yeah, probably. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Mental health stuff's too much. Werewolf. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like he said, he's tried everything. So fine, let's let's give it a shot. I just want rid of this feeling. Yeah. Well, I guess by then his his life is on the line. You know, if, if he gets if he if he goes much further, he'd said earlier on he might end up killing someone, and then yeah. you know that's his freedom. So yeah, he's pretty desperate. Tiss, I've just worked out what you're doing. My CBD pen. It's not marijuana. It's Medipen. Beef, yeah, is it giving you the CBDVs? <laughs> CBDVs. I'm going to go and pill all over my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's not marijuana. What exactly is CBD, though? It is taken from marijuana leaves, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a little bit marijuana, So then. it is ter- marijuana, technically. It's not psychoactive though. It's just uh, it's just, just the, the good CBD bits. Monocles. It's just yeah. the good part of marijuana, right? Just yeah. the bad bits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Warrens fly Bill over to Connecticut to their base. Yeah. Uh, Warrens HQ, and aided by a bishop named Robert McKenna, and six bodyguards because he's a werewolf. <laughs> Uh, they start to perform an exorcism. And as it's starting, as you heard in that clip, Bill's not really on board with this exorcism stuff. No, because he made it sound like exercising, like he was going to go for a run. <laughs> so, oh, I'm not into any of that. Exercising? I ain't done that for fucking years, mate. Oh. <laughs> sweat it out of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he said, you know, like 30 minutes into it, and he's still like, I'm not getting anything out of this. He's sitting there like, this is a load of old shit. They're just talking Latin at me. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's not going for it. But uh, eventually, he starts having a reaction to the, uh, to the uh, exorcism. Right. And uh, Lorraine and the bishop and some other witnesses there claim to have witnessed uh, the transformation themselves, what people have described. And the the exorcism wasn't filmed, but there was uh, photographs taken of it. So I've got a photograph of Bill Ramsey oh, hello. right here um, in the middle of what he looked like when he was going through his sort of 
uh, transformations. Uh, it's, it's not a very good quality picture, but if I just hold this up, you can see. Yeah. Wow. Strange. It's a bit odd, but it's not. It's not as. Looks a bit like uh, Jackson Pollock, actually. <laughs> so there is. Go on. Well, the artist. Yeah, yeah, the artist. Yeah. Right in the Jacksons. But in that image, would you think he looks like a werewolf? No. I that was less less um, foreboding than I thought. He he has got his sort of teeth bared a little bit and his and his claws his hands up like claws but he almost looks scared in that. Yeah, he does. I was going to say it's like when you when a cat's cornered. Yeah, he doesn't look but that would make sense. If he has got his demon werewolf demon spirit in him and he's getting exercised, you know, he yeah, might yeah. feel cornered and trapped and, and more scared and less foreboding. Yeah. Um, but the way that they described it, Lorraine's description is she said, you know, his, his teeth were showing uh, and his, his, his shoulders were arching up, his hands were in claws. Um, but eventually the exorcism was a success. Awesome. Okay. It actually worked. It actually worked. I've got one final clip from that uh, documentary now and it's uh, Bill... Uh, it's just it's talking about the the very end. This is like ten seconds. It's just the very end of the exorcism and uh, and Bill's thoughts coming out of it. When the devil did leave him. Uh, he came to himself. As I came out the exorcism, you feel that you're a new person. The man with greed. The man with greed. I felt I wanted to kiss him, kiss Bishop McKenna because what he'd done. I believe that. I was ultimately possessed by the devil, yeah. Oh, well, that's a nice ending to a story. Yeah. That's mad. And the other voice that you heard there was the bishop, the guy who was like, you know, you know, it was a success, we got out of him and all that stuff. And yeah. That's so, nice. yeah, it's, it's kind of like it gets worse and worse and worse and the, the attacks are getting more and more frequent and then the Warrens, like, swoop in there in the Warrenmobile. <laughs> take him back to HQ and just like it's fixed sorted it's like a very abrupt ending but in like a good way like no one ended up getting seriously hurt but this is this is where I mean that that's always been uh, my experience of uh, an exorcism if, you, if that's what you call it mm-hmm. it just ends which is why when you watch a horror film and it just carries on like nah mate I'm not having any of that because <laughs> it just it just stops so you can't help but feel like if they ever made a film out of this Warren's case, it would be completely different. Well, interesting you said that because... Um, is there a trailer? No, not yet. No. And this film isn't definitely happening. The um, the the Conjuring movies, which have Ed and Lorraine in them, mm. um, there was the first one about the Perron family haunting and the second one was about the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah. And... and then they've made loads of spin-offs and that with different directors, but they're all part of the same, you know, cinematic universe or whatever. But the third proper Conjuring film, um, directed by James Wan, like, you know, you can't make it a proper Conjuring film without the, the director and writer of the first two. And he said, like, he wants to do a third one. Right. And he's mentioned numerous times that if he does a third one, he would like to probably focus on this case. This is the case that takes his interest the most. Yeah. Um, but he's pretty busy right now because he just directed um, Aquaman and that was like a massive hit and now they want to do a sequel to that. So that's probably pushed Conjuring two, uh, Conjuring 3 back a little while. Yeah, I think oh, so. Wow. 
I'm sure we can wait. (laughs) (laughs) No one's knocking the door down for that one. Yeah, no, them Conjuring films are mega popular. Really? Mega popular. I would say they're some of the only decent-ish, like, good horror films in recent years. They're not, they're not, they're not actually bad horror films at all. Yeah. Especially Mm. the, I like the first one a lot more than the second, I'll say that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because I know all about the Warrens now and it's fun just watching their cases. Yeah. Making the connections. But, but they're super popular. They make a shit ton of money. Um, so it's not. So it, they're popular because they're actually fairly decent horror movies, not just. Yeah, they're not it's... bad. Okay. I always had the impression it was like one of those B movies, but they were kind of just the, the only horror that was around. Well, so the spin offs are like that. The Annabelle right. movies and the the Nun is the one that just came out, which is also right. In the I'm same thinking universe. of the Annabelle one. Maybe I'm thinking yeah, of that. Yeah, they're they're part of the same universe or whatever, but they don't have the same actors and they're not directed by the same guy. The actual Conjuring one, what Conjuring one and two are, are well respected, good horror films. So it's like American Pie Beta House. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Annabelle movies because they're making Annabelle three now. You know, the Annabelle <laughs> ones aren't good. <laughs> Uh, so back to the, the werewolf, anyway. Um, so that video I played the clips from, uh, that's that documentary was aired in 1992, and those clips of Bill Ramsey were from 1992. And so that that video was three years after his exorcism, that interview. Okay. And that's nice. at, at that point, he hadn't had any more episodes, never had, didn't have that feeling come over him again, and there's been no more reports since then. But I couldn't find anything about Bill Ramsey in recent years. Right. So I think he's just like fine now and is is doesn't want to do any interviews, you know. Like he, did, he I I imagine he's like I did my interview in 1992. I want to get on with my life because I couldn't I searched so long to try and find something recent. Wow. Well, I guess it's no there's it's not really newsworthy anymore, is it really? No. It would only be newsworthy if he went on a massive rampage through London and they were like, you know, the South End werewolf was back. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but what do you guys think? Mental illness, demonic possession, or actual lycanthropy? Got to go demonic possession. If they exercised him and now he feels fine, that's pretty. It's pretty nuts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm going to go for as well. It's, it's it's right in the Warrens' wheelhouse, isn't it? The demonic possession thing. Yeah, they're experts on that sort of stuff. It's their bread and butter. <laughs> so they actually this was one of the cases that really interested them the most and they ended up um even though it's not actually one of their most famous cases like i hadn't heard of this till i was looking up the other day uh yeah. compared to something like annabelle or the amityville horror or things like that yeah um but this one they actually wrote a book all about and um you can buy that on amazon it's called werewolf uh, a true story of demonic possession and that's by ed and lorraine warren it's their account of this case and it's all about about this case nice and apparently it's quite good. Oh. I, I think that was probably... I think that was probably one of my favourite stories from the Warrens. Like I said, I was going to tell this story in a sort of 10-minute chunk in the in the wrap-up Warrens episode because I thought, oh, some werewolf case, that's going to be nothing. When I started looking into it, I was like, this is really interesting. Yeah. Wow. So you've got you've still got your last um, Warrens case then? I have. I've got, I've got a little something I'm going to talk about uh, for the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah, and then I, I've got one more episode of the Warrens. Amazing to talk about because I thought while I was talking about um, the South End werewolf and their escapades in the UK, um, again, like we'll probably revisit werewolves for a proper episode at one point. 
Yeah. I wouldn't mind talking about what that woman was talking about with werewolves because it's quite interesting. Yeah, well, what she was... We won't, we won't uh, talk too much about it now because we'll save it for the episode, but we just talked about, like, a lot of it was, like, hysteria and, you know, people not understanding mental illness and things like that. Yeah, Trace, tracing um, it back to the actual people, it was more likely that they were easily explained coincidence yeah and and there is a mental disorder where people think they are a wolf and things like that so there's a lot more to it so i think it definitely warrants a full episode um and and same with this next thing i'm going to talk about quickly um i think this is something i've wanted to do an episode on for a while um so uh have you guys heard of borley rectory yeah uh, I think we mentioned it before. I think when I did my Haunted Houses episode way back near the beginning, I think I briefly mentioned it, but it's supposed to be one of the most haunted locations in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about it years ago, yeah. Yeah, and um, the I didn't realise the Warrens had visited there as well. Oh. So um, they, had, they actually visited it every year. That's why they used to come to the UK a lot. It's probably why they were in the UK when they saw about Bill Ramsey on the news. Um they said uh, during their life they visited Borley Rectory 24 times and believed it to be the most haunted location in the UK. Um, and every time they visited, they witnessed uh, some kind of phenomena. We're going. I want to go. That's why I want to. I want to do a whole episode about Borley Rectory at one point. Where is it? Uh, I think it's east, but I'm I'm not sure. Norfolk. Norfolk. No, Norfolk. I don't think it is. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's somewhere that I definitely would like to go and record from. I'm up for um, that. Because I remember way back when I did that episode, I was saying, you know, I'd like to go to Borley Rectory and do an episode from there. Tis, would you be up for that? Yeah. Would you? I wouldn't be up for it in the evening. But in the oh, day. I would be up for it in the evening. Um, Tis would be pooing all over the house. I think I'm busy. That What, what weekend is it? <laughs> so again, I've got um, one of the classic Tony Spear interviewing the Warrens about their cases. And I've got like a, a four minute clip here also about him. Uh, he talks to the Warrens uh, about Lorraine's first visit and Lorraine's first experience of Borley Rectory. Um, just a uh, fact checking Santa time. Go on. Uh, Borley Rectory is in Borley in Essex. It's in Essex. Okay. Oh, that makes sense then because Cause that's the where werewolves in Essex. Yeah. So that's probably why it was, they'd seen it on the news and heard about it when they were visiting. They were probably visiting Borley at the time then. It looks horrible. There was a documentary about it. Um, I think it's out now. I wanted to check it out. It was like, um, I know Rhys Shearsmith from um, League of Gentlemen and Inside Number Nine and stuff was involved in the making of it. But there's a documentary all about Borley Rectory. It's supposed to be really good. Is it called Borley Rectory? It's called Borley Rectory. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Uh, uh, yeah, Rhys Shearsmith. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, so I'm going to play this little uh, clip of the Tony Spear interview with... Ed and Lorraine about visiting Bully Rectory. It is, in fact, the most haunted location in all of Great Britain. What I'd like to do now is start with Ed and Lorraine and ask about your first experience at Borley. The first experience for me was phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. It's about the only place, Tony, other than going into a home where poltergeist activity is prominent that everything happens as soon as you get involved. As soon as you walk in, as soon as you get involved in going into this church and beginning your research, mm -hmm. something is bound to happen. 
Now that first day, I had a very skeptical researcher with me. Mm-hmm. He was a newspaper man from Danbury. And he was obnoxiously skeptical. But he was keeping a full diary for me. So he was very, very helpful. I worried about what his effect was going to have on this building. So I was in and I was discerning. I was standing down by the altar. I was with a group of people and I was discerning when all of a sudden he came charging in mm-hmm. through the back door and some, he said, something is hitting me. It's hitting me. It's hitting me. And he was absolutely hysterical. He was hysterical. Now at that point, he said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The now, Lorraine, was, was, this, was this researcher psychic by any chance? No, he by psychic. no means. Oh, by yeah, no. He had never been in a haunted he area. He had never been to a haunted area, Tony. Okay. And the recorders are on because people are recording what I'm discerning. Mm-hmm. Now later, later at our hotel in London, he came down to my room and said, Mrs. Warren, it's going to be impossible for me to write anything about that church that we were in. I said, Borley? He said, yes. He said, the tape that you gave me where you were discerning, Mm -hmm. he said, you can hear when I come in the room and I'd like to play it for you. Now when he, or into the church, now when he walked in and he was yelling like that, a voice, a woman's voice, as he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, said, hit him, hit him, almost really? in a healing way. And you hear her very gentle voice. Oh. Now this is a spirit voice that she's talking about. They, okay. Now this was the first day. Now when I was leaving the church, I knew something about the background of it. That's why we were drawn there. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a nun that was buried in the walls of the building. I knew her remains in the walls. had been found and her, that it was buried at a graveyard very close in Liston Churchyard. I knew all about that. So I said, maybe before we go back to London, see this is about 45 minutes outside of London, mm-hmm. as you remember, Tony. Right. And I said, maybe we should go to Liston first. It was a bitter cold night. This was in January. What year was it? 1976. And so we went to Liston, and the photographer who I had with me, he was froze. We were all froze. But something told me to have him get out and snap some pictures. We really got outstanding psychic photographs at Liston. In fact, Tony, in our book, The Demonologist, it tells about that particular day when I went there for the first time, and it shows the psychic photograph where you see a stone that forms a cross, and it's glowing. It's glowing as if you had bright lights on it, mm-hmm. and no lights, of course, were on it at all. It's in a very, very rural I, I area. I have to tell you that this particular house the most haunted house in England, which was written by Harry Price. He was your very earliest of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. very famous man. 
that I was in the Navy, I was 17 years old, I picked up a book on a ship, and there it was, the most haunted house in England. Well, since I lived in a haunted house as a boy, I was intrigued. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, if ever I come back again to England, I've got to visit that house. Mm -hmm. And we did. And every year, Lorraine and I visit it. I do. Um, so, yeah, that's just, um, that's the last video for tonight. That's uh, the Warrens talking about their experiences at Borley Rectory, uh, one of their experiences in particular. I really want to go there, but I don't want to go in the evening. I would definitely go in the evening. <laughs> so scared. You're on your own, mate. So some of the stuff they said about um, hearing there was, uh, they or seeing there and, and experiencing there, um, aside from what she said, that often they would hear the sound of bells from inside the building when they walked around in the evening. Uh, they said strange messages would appear on the walls um, and, and, and fade away. Um, which they thought to be messages from a spirit of a monk, which I'll talk about in a minute. And also in that video, you heard her mention a nun. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the nun? Well, what what did she say in the video about the nun? Just that she was buried in the walls. So um, when you say, is that the nun, do you mean the nun from the films? Yeah. Yeah, the horror film that came out last year, The Nun, yeah. which is like loosely spun off from the Conjuring movies, it's not the same story. It's like the imagery of it is loosely based on the the nun that yeah. they've the Warrens talked about, but the story itself is nothing to do with it. They just sort of took that image because the character of the nun does appear in the second Conjur Conjuring movie, right? And haunts Lorraine in it, and so that character was popular in it. The the imagery of that ghost, so they just sort of gave it its own film as of 2018 that came out, um, and I'll play a little clip from the trailer now. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw none. Word of my visions reached the church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Valak. Not all good. What? Jimmy down. Callahan's here. Uh, so that that's the the nun film that came out in 2018, and like I said, that that's loosely based on Lorraine's descriptions of this nun ghost that she would see at Borley Rectory. Mm -hmm. um, it would be seen walking around at night, walking up and down the aisle of the rectory. Right, this ghost of a nun, uh, and the nun was buried alive in the brick walls of the rectory. Ooh after having an affair with a monk on the premises, which is, uh, I said about the monk leaving messages on the walls before. So that's a little bit of the history of Borley Rectory. Wow. Which is possibly why it's so haunted. Hmm. We could go knocking on the walls and see if we could find where she is. No, like. I'm all right. No. I'm all right. I think it's busy that day. <laughs> Changing your minds. Yeah, no. Like I say, I'd, I'd happily go with, with you guys like in the day. And see it. Sit like in the car about a mile away. Just like, yeah, that looks nice. What about, um, where's that place near Milton Keynes? The, the, the weird church that everyone used to go to. Um, 
The church? Yeah. Not no, the asylum. It's the church uh, in that village out towards Shefford. Mm. I don't know. Oh, I don't know about uh, that. Clop Hill. Oh, I recognise yeah, the name. Clop Hill Church. I think Becca's told me about that before. Didn't loads of people used to go there and just like smoke weed yeah, and I mean, stuff there as well? Yeah, that's primarily what people used to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> we went there. Every time we went there, there was like chavs like parked there already, so we had to leave. <laughs> chavs. Sounds great. Tis, were they, were they smoking the bad parts of marijuana then? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, but the nun is seen, yeah, walking up and down the aisle, uh, hands together, praying. Um, she also apparently appeared in the second Annabelle movie, This Figure of the Nun, but no. I don't know. I haven't seen that film. Um, and in the film, they name the nun Valak, which is taken, uh, the name Valak is taken from uh, a book called uh, The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is a demonologist's spell book that was written in the mid-17th century. So the films sort of take a little bit of that anonymously written demonology book and Lorraine's nun imagery and things like that and sort of made their own thing out of it. It's not really that related to the Warrens as a figure. But yeah, that's all I've got to say about Borley Rectory. Like The the Warrens visited it and they, uh, they saw paranormal activity there every time they visited but obviously, there's a lot more. There's a lot more reports than just the Warrens or Boy Rector in there. Oh yeah, like I didn't even know the Warrens had been there till I was looking at this yesterday. Um, I just know Boy Rectory from all the other reports. Like it is renowned as being uh, a paranormal hotspot. Yeah, I'm right. Thanks, mate. And that's what I've got today. That's that's the end of the Warrens. It's it's sort of like Warrens in the UK oh. special. I really liked that. That was that was probably my favourite Warren story. Really? Yeah, I did like that Warren story. I got really into it. Like, I, it was way, it was way more interesting than I initially thought. Well, just because I think um, all the others, that, like, they're all interesting to listen to, but they're quite similar. Yeah. Um. So this was really interesting to hear that there's a different, you know, and uh, really different. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was probably the one, ironically, that makes the Warrens the most credible. Hmm. Um. Which, yeah, it's just ironic, bearing in mind he was so keen on making sure they were cautious of it because it made them seem uncredible. Yeah. Um, and I think what makes it seem more credible um, is the fact that Bill himself is on interview. Yeah. As before going, saying, what a load of shit. Yeah. And then him going and then coming out the other side and in his own words, you know, feeling yeah. a new man. That's, yeah. That's quite telling. And they actually had an effect on him. So, yeah, I do think it's one of the better endings to their stories because a lot of them is just like, and then they sent an exorcist in, it was all over, apparently. This one, you've got actual recorded interview with the guy who's there saying, it was me and I feel like this afterwards. Exactly. And there's newspaper reportings of the way he was acting before. Multiple police officers saying, you know, he was throwing us around. He was so strong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rather than the other cases where it's sort of just fizzles out and you're like well yeah it looks like it was dealt with because nothing else happened yeah yeah so it's good to have a bit of closure really definitely yes so that's good. So i'm glad you guys enjoyed it i've got one more warren's episode to do and it really will be one more now because i planned half of that as well right in advance um amazing and it is i've got one more short case and then we'll do like a recap and just uh just a, more of a general chit-chat about them as people and what we've sort of learned from all the cases so far. So we'll have a, a good old finale Warren's episode at some point. 
Amazing. I feel like we've done about 10 Warrens episodes now. I think this is the... I'll tell you what it is. One, two, three, four, five. This is the sixth. There'll be seven in total. Wow. That's yeah. really... That's nuts that there's so many. Yeah. And, mo- and a lot of those, we've covered more than one case. So we've covered like, yeah, 10 cases. Yeah. Yeah. And each one has been so different in like the story's been so different. Um, yeah, it's been... I, I've, I've enjoyed the Warrens ones, but that was my favorite yeah. one. So we've covered nine cases. There'll be 10 cases in total, but they uh, they were involved in, in thousands of cases. This is just, we've just covered sort of the top 10, if you like. Yeah, top top of the pops. So yeah, there we go. Uh, anything else you guys want to say before we close up tonight? Tiss? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, good. That's Tiss. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, nothing, nothing really. I just, I, I liked that. Would seem like a really good story to listen to. Yeah, I, I, I've really enjoyed the ones where they've been over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Enfield haunting was good fun as well. It's a, it was a good case for us to come back with, come back with, uh, from our break, like come back with the Warrens, which have always been popular. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're back. Nothing's changed. It's still the old weird tales that you love. And, um, and we were sort of rolled her eyes a bit when you started talking about lycanthropy yes and we're like, oh here we go you guys i could see you guys going through the same uh sort of experience i did when i delved into the story yeah when i first read about it the other day and i thought oh some werewolf nonsense yeah, yeah exactly. talk about it briefly on the recap episode yeah actually it was so interesting that i wanted to give it a spotlight yeah no it's good i'm glad you did yeah definitely so, uh, listener of the week this week. Listener of the week. Woo! Going to give it to a listener called Mallory Davis, uh, a fairly new listener. But she contacted us, uh, sent us some interesting emails about, um, she had listened to the Dreams episode that we did with Karim uh, yep. way back near the start. I think it was episode 14 and uh, she really liked that one and she found it really interesting because she herself uh, is a lucid dreamer ah. uh, and she was saying about how she didn't really realize there was there was something that other people couldn't do it was something that she didn't have to train to do she could just do and thought that you know everyone could lucid dream oh, right okay it's just a thing that we could do you could control your dreams but um yeah when she realized that you couldn't uh, and she listened to her tales and and listened to Karim's stories about it. Yeah, she she sort of sent her own uh, information about her own lucid dreams. So yeah, mm. thanks, Mallory. Uh, your listener of the week this week. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mallory. Good to have you with us. Um, and that's it. So email unexplainableuk at mail dot com if you want to suggest anything, say hi, or um, send your own stories any experiences you got i might put together a, a listeners like ghost stories episode soon because we've had loads in the break that we've had off so uh, i'm probably gonna like lose track of a lot of them if you have already sent me one in the in the couple of months that we had off just give me an extra nudge and it will remind me that you sent me a story and i'll, I'll think about putting together a ghost stories compilation uh, you can also visit the blog i'll put all the pictures that i talked about on this show and uh, the clips are going to be on the website. That's weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. Um, and is there anything else that we normally do? Links and stuff. You can find on, on the website, there's links to our Twitters and everything. It's all on the website. Any links you need are on there. You can uh, donate to the show if you want to help us out. Yep. Uh, and that's it.
Oh, the one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, I had uh, a request from a listener, uh, Dougie, Chris Dugmore, mm-hmm. who's been a long-time listener. He has been listener of the week way back. And uh, he, he asked if we were considering uh, still doing listeners' original songs at the end of the episodes as the outros. Right. And yes, I would love to play original music from listeners from time to time. So if you are a musician and uh, you want us to feature one of your songs at the end, it could be any genre, anything. We're into all sorts between the three of us. Uh, I'd love to feature some listeners' original music. So let us know and we'll, we'll try and get around to that. And Chris has sent me a song, which I am going to feature on the episodes. It won't be on this one because how can I not, as the outro music this week, play werewolves of london <laughs> perfect yeah so wait done. your turn dougie wait your turn you can't not have that song at the end of this episode <laughs> no it's just foolishness <laughs> uh i think we're done yeah lovely so new episode in two weeks and i think tiss is taking the next one right hell yeah doing it so it could be anything why are you going oh. <laughs> on my hair just just watching you are not your hair it's just so ridiculously knotty Mate, please brush I, it. I do every day, and it just not sucking more. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do the next episode. I'm not sure what yet. It's going to be interesting, though. Cool. Could be some deep conspiracies. Cool. Okay. Well, I look forward to whatever it is, <laughs> and I think I know what Beef's got planned because we sort of are going to send him some stuff over. He's got half of an episode kind of planned for him already <laughs> in uh, yeah. in a month's time. So yeah, but I've got um, I've got some other ideas as well. I've got uh, oh okay, yeah yeah. I got given some some cool stuff by a a student at school. Funnily enough, ooh. Uh, so I'll take a look at that. Okay, cool. So between us, we've got so many ideas between us uh, coming. Out. I've got loads of episodes I want to do, and and also keep your suggestions coming because. There's, we can always add more to the list. Exactly. Uh, but for now, I think we're done. Back in two weeks. Say bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Uh, until next time, weren't you glad you listened? Oh, oh mate, no. That's just no. Fucking 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.